reading that for us this morning, brother. It is, it is. And you know, uh, I'm so glad that I'm able to be with all of you here this morning. Uh, I know right now is a difficult time uh, for a lot of people to get out and about, and uh, especially on a day like today where it's cold and rainy, I know it can prevent some people from, from coming, but I just want to say personally that I thank you for choosing to be here this morning uh, while you were able. And uh, as I think about this verse that, that we just read, these two verses that we just read, and I think about you know, in context with everything that is going on right now, I think uh, it's safe to say that we are at a very unpeaceful time in many people's lives. Right now is a great time of worry and anxiety for some people. Uh, we've had people that we know, people that we love, who have struggled with sickness and illnesses. Uh, we've lost some of our loved ones. And in times like this, it can really be a downer on us, and we can really start to doubt whether or not we're ever going to truly find peace. But if I were to ask you what your ideal moment of peace was, I'm sure that everyone here would have a different answer. You know, to some, their idea of peace is a day like today where they're uh, able to stay inside on the cool rainy day and and read a book or maybe uh, take a nap. I was just talking with some people before services of how great it is uh, a day today to just sit in and take a nap. Uh, To other people, their idea of peace is uh, a physical activity like hiking or you're able to exercise, uh, exert some energy and take in some breathtaking scenery. But, you know, we all have our own ideas of peace, and we always try to, to seek after those things because those things are what brings us comfort, and it's those things that calm us. And it's typically in our most difficult times uh, that we seek after peace because no one likes the feeling of pressure. No one likes the feeling of stress or, or anxiety. But if it is true peace that we are looking for, We're not going to find it in a physical location. We're not going to find it in a material object. If it's true peace that we're after, we're going to find it in God. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, we see that Gideon built an altar and called it, The Lord is Peace. Now, I want us to think about the context of the book of Judges, because what we see going on is Israel's cycle of sin. And I think the best synopsis, the best way to describe what is going on in the book of Judges is seen in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, where we see that every man did what was right in his own eyes. And we see this cycle would start with Israel being obedient to God, then being faithful to the Lord, but then they would slip up, they would start to worship false idols, they would turn away from God, they would sin against Him, And God would discipline them by sending in their enemies to overtake them. And it was only in their moments of distress that they would realize that they had messed up. They would ask God for forgiveness. They would repent. There would be some peace in the land until they messed up again. And it was this vicious cycle that the people of Israel found themselves in. But notice here in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Now at this time, Israel is oppressed by the Midianites. And we see in verse 2 that because of this oppression, they hid in caves and dens in fear. 
verses 4 to 5 of chapter 6 says that their farmlands were taken over by the Midianites, their produce, their animals. They would come in and scavenge everything that was left. That way there would be nothing left uh, for the Israelites. And we see that the Israelites became poor because of the Midianites in verse 6. Now, I want us to notice how each event of deliverance to their enemy begins. And you can look through the book of Judges. After each section, you see a new person is introduced. But typically, that section starts with that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, most of the time, when this phrase is seen, we also see that it was because Israel forgot the Lord their God. So because they did evil... Or they forgot the Lord, and because they forgot the Lord, we see that they did wickedness in the sight of the Lord. But despite the unpeaceful circumstances that were surrounding uh, Gideon, we see that he still recognized the Lord of peace. Now, our first point this morning is we need to understand that in order for us to view the Lord as the Lord of peace, we need to understand firstly that he is our origin of peace. He is our source of peace. And once the Lord had spoken with Gideon, Gideon named the altar that he had built Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Now, Jehovah is peace by nature. The Lord is peace by his very nature. And because Jehovah is perfect peace, anything that opposes peace is a grievance towards him. I want us to think back to the first six chapters of the book of Genesis. And we see that in the creation account all the way up to the flood, we see the beginning of it after everything was created. God looked down on his, on his creation and he saw that it was very good. Then we move a couple chapters over and we see the uh, events surrounding Noah and God commanding him to build an ark. And it was all because what? Wickedness was all over the face of the earth. And we see these two different uh, attitudes that God has towards towards man, towards his creation. And it was because of the, the wickedness of man that caused God to be grieved in his heart. It is against the nature of God to accept any sort of wickedness because it is those acts that stir up his wrath. Uh, God is a compassionate being. And because he is a compassionate being, he is able to empathize with us. He is able to empathize with with man, his creation, when we are under duress. I want us to notice in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, this very point that God is an empathetic person because he understands how we operate. I mean, he created us. But in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And if we look in Isaiah chapter 63, uh, the whole book of Isaiah is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And we see the steps that were taken in order to redeem man, the, the things that God did in order to save man from his sins. And the whole book of Isaiah was the solution is to send Jesus. And in Chapter 63, verse 9, we see that Jesus, in all of our affliction, He was afflicted. Now, when God witnesses unrest, when God witnesses calamity, we must understand that it causes Him to look down in pity. In Judges, we see that this 
happened a lot because of their cycle of sin that they found themselves in. But in Judges chapter 2, verse 18, we see that when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. If it is peace that we seek after, it would be wise of us to turn to him who's whose source of peace is within his very being, who is the source of peace. But not only is Jehovah peace by his nature, Jehovah is peace by his attitude. And while Israel was under Babylonian captivity because of their own wrongdoings and and their crimes against God, the Lord never forgot his people. He never forgot about them. He never forsook them. He didn't turn his back on them completely. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, this is a verse I see quoted all the time. Uh, I used to go to Mardell all the time, and I would see that they'd have wall decorations with this verse quoted on it. I used to have a uh, Bible case with this verse on it, but I never truly understood the context of what was going on here in Jeremiah 29. But it's the same context that we see in uh, other books where we see Israel is in Babylonian captivity, and it's the idea that God was not going to forget Israel because God still had a plan for his people. He still had promises to fulfill. And that's why he says in verse 11 of Jeremiah 29 that he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This was God's reminder to, to the people of Israel that he had not forgotten them like they had forgotten him. But He reminded them of his promises to them. And if it is peace that we are after, the Bible makes it very clear that we must follow the instructions that are found in in the Holy Writ. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18, we see that, that God says, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Much like Jeremiah's message of condemnation towards the sins of the people of Israel, Isaiah reminds God's people that they could have possessed peace had they have heeded God's commands. The Lord's attitude of peace is expressed in His desire for the well-being of all men. He wants man to be happy. He wants man to have peace. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, we read, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? And while it is the Lord's desire for all men to have peace, we also must understand that it is not something that he is going to force upon us. It's a choice that we have to make, and it's a decision that we have to make to follow God. If man cannot find peace, it is because of his own doing and his own poor choices that he dwells in wickedness and conflict. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 and 6, the entire book of Leviticus is an interesting book because we see that it is a shadow of things that are to come in the New Testament. It's a list of commands that the priesthood had to do in order to make sacrifices and to make atonement. But in chapter 26, verses 3 and 6, we see this same message of following God's commands in order to obtain peace. And in verse 3, 
we read, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, verse 6 says, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. If it is peace that we seek, we must seek first to do the law of the Lord. We must do His will, and then we can have peace. Secondly, we must understand that the Lord is our present peace. Psalm 46 verse 1 describes God as our refuge and strength, as a very present help in trouble. And we must also understand that Jehovah is peace and manifestation. Now, in Judges 6, it was the Lord who appeared to Gideon, and it was the Lord who brought to him a message of peace. In Judges chapter 6, verses 22 to 23, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Now I want us to imagine Gideon's relief in this situation because if we look in the beginning of this section, we see that that at this time... uh, this was a time that was when the Midianites were oppressing Israel. And if we look in Gideon's section at the very beginning, he was working secretly probably because he, he was probably somewhere he shouldn't have been, right? And if he was found, who knows what would have uh, happened to him. And thirdly, Israel thought that the Lord had forsook them. They thought that God had forgotten about them. But Gideon understood that it was the Lord who made himself manifest to him. And it was the Lord who offered a message of hope and of peace. Now the Lord had dealt with other judges in the past uh, who served to bring Israel back to God. But this instance is special in that Gideon was able to see the angel of the Lord face to face. And while no physical manifestations of Christ occur to man today, we can still experience the presence of peace from the Lord in a number of ways. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, we see, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31, as well as in the book of Hebrews, this same idea that just as the Lord reminded Joshua that he would continue to be with him, We must remember that as God's children, He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. As Christians, we should strive each day to become more and more like Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, Paul isn't saying here to become more like Paul. But what Paul is saying is, do as I am doing. And let's follow and and strive to be more and more like Christ together. And in Ephesians chapter 5, we see this amazing analogy of the church and how it's described to be the bride of Christ. And the whole book of Ephesians in general is talking about the church and the steps that God took in order to to make the church the bride of Christ. But in verses 1 to 2 of Ephesians chapter 5, We see that we are to be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
We can make the love of Christ manifest. We can make the peace of Christ manifest through our actions towards those that we come in contact with. We also see that Jehovah is peace and sanctification. And the entire book of Judges is a historical record of how the people of Israel messed up time and time again. They disobeyed God, they forgot what He had done for them, and they failed to do His will. But in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, we see Gideon, once he saw the angel of the Lord, he said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all His miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites." Well, because of Israel's disobedience, they no longer experienced the presence of God. And because God was no longer present with them, they couldn't experience that peace that God has to offer. In Second Chronicles 15, verse 2, we read, The Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. If it is peace that we are after, we must first seek God, but... Like the Israelites, the, the, the only reason why we might not experience peace is if we choose to abandon it, and rather we choose to dwell in conflict instead. In Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20 to 21, we see a word that is used here that carries a deeper meaning uh, behind just the, the surface. But in Isaiah 57, verses 20 to 21, we see that the wicked are described as this. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Verse 21 says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. The word wicked here carries the idea of restlessness. And what it is essentially saying here is that there is no rest for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked because peace can only be found in righteousness. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 7 to 8, I think it describes the situation uh, perfectly and it can describe how our world operates today without God. And we see this going on so much is that in verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 59, we see that their feet run to evil. And verse 8 says, the way of peace they have not known. They have this desire to seek to perform evil deeds, wicked things. And because of that, they don't understand what it's like to have true peace. And Gideon in Judges 6 did not immediately recognize who it was that, that he was speaking to. And when he realized that it was the Lord, we see that his, his attitude changed. In verse 22 of Judges 6, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And remember, Israel at this moment is at odds with God because of their sinfulness. And Gideon understood that as a man, sin is not welcome in the presence of God. In order to experience the, the Lord's presence, reconciliation must take place. Man needs to be made right with God and it's only available through those avenues that He has provided for us. Sin has always required a price, and that is death. And reconciliation was made temporarily possible in the Old Testament 
through their performing of, of animal sacrifices. And when Gideon asked for a sign of the angel of the Lord, Gideon was commanded to prepare a young goat and unleavened bread, which was what was needed to make atonement. And in Judges 6, verse 23, the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Gideon's interaction shows that the, the presence of God's peace was made possible through the sanctification that, that Gideon was able to make through this sacrifice. But notice this. Gideon's altar that he built was not an altar made for sacrifice. Now, it was rather built as a memorial for the presence of God's peace. In our difficult times, let us never forget the God of peace. And let's take the necessary steps to be right with Him so that we too can experience His comfort. Thirdly, we must understand that the Lord is our complete peace. Jehovah is the Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace who is prophesied about in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5, we see this described perfectly of how it came about, about how our Lord came into this world and, and what God did to make this possible for us. Because in verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4, we see that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And as I mentioned previously, God is perfect peace in nature. And it is from Him alone that, that peace can originate. And He can provide that peace to whoever He chooses. In John chapter 14, I want us to take notice of this because we see a distinction that is made here by Jesus of what the world has to offer versus what He has to offer. And I think once you understand this definition that Jesus gives, it makes a whole lot of sense of of all the things you see going on and all the problems we see in the world. Because in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says to His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus says that what He has to offer is going to be different than what the world is, is offering to them instead. And in John chapter 16, if you turn a couple chapters over, we see that this definition that Jesus gives is, is perfect because Jesus says that in the world, verse 33 of John chapter 16, in the world we're going to have tribulation. In the world we're going to have trouble. We're going to have worry. We're going to have anxiety. And when you think about worldly wisdom, well, worldly wisdom is anything but peaceable. And when you consider how man operates in the world today without God, it makes sense when you see all the turmoil that is going on. We see uh, man against man, and there's prejudice, and there's evil things going on. And when we look in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, where we see every man did what was right in his own eyes. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, we see that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end is death. In its end is destruction. Well, James chapter 3, verse 17 says that the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, willing to yield, 
full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. As the Prince of Peace, Jesus cares about our well-being, and He wants us to have peace. In Matthew 11, verse 28, He says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jehovah is the provider of peace. Isaiah 53, we see the prophecy of the suffering servant, the prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. We see that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 and 10. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. When you consider the state of Israel at the time of Judges 6, they had transgressed against uh, the Lord's law. They forsook Him. They sought after false gods. And they separated themselves from the only person who could care for them. And the only person who could provide for them true peace. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says that our iniquities will separate us from God. Our sins will hide his face from us so that he will not hear. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 says that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us from all sins. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. If we want peace, we must first find the origin of peace. And that's going to be found in our God from whom all blessings flow. And we should want to seek the, the Lord because peace is within His very nature. Uh, he does not bring with Him calamity or conflict. He only brings peace with those who dwell with Him. And maybe we all know someone in our lives that we try to avoid because it seems as though every time they come around us, they always bring with them trouble or, or drama or, or something. And we just don't want to have any part of that. But with God, that is never a problem. With God, we can always find peace and comfort. I've heard it said before that the life of the Christian is the best life to live. That's because it is. And it's because God wants what is best for us. That is why He has given us these commands as to how we should live our lives. Because you see how people perform these sins in the world today and all the negative consequences that come about their their poor decisions And we see what God commands us and how we ought to live our lives. And it's because we're not going to hurt ourselves like those who perform sin hurt themselves. You don't want to test this out for ourselves. We can just look at the world and see what's going on. If we want peace, we must find the presence of peace in our Lord. And when the Lord made himself manifest to Gideon, Gideon was in the presence of perfect peace. And when we strive to be more like Christ, when we actively seek to, to do as He did and act as how He acted, we should also seek to treat others as how He treated people. And we should strive to be the type of people that others can find peace in, and not drama, distrust, or trouble. If we want peace, 
we must take the necessary steps to make sanctification for our souls. In Judges 6, Gideon made an offering, and the Lord promised him peace. But today, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must repent of our sins. We must be baptized, immersed for the remission of our sins. And once we come up from that watery grave, we should walk in the newness of life and live faithfully for God. Effort on our part is still necessary if we want to draw closer to the Lord of peace. And if we, if we want peace, we must seek the completeness of peace. We must seek the Prince of Peace. Jesus is able to provide us peace if we are willing to, to come to Him. And when Jesus came to earth, He brought peace with Him wherever He went. He healed people of, of their diseases and their sicknesses, and He told them to go in peace. And with His wisdom, He told peace and He gave people peace. Because of His willingness, He is able to bear our burdens. And now we can partake in that peace that He has to offer. Jesus is our provider of peace. He wanted to provide peace so much that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. And because of his sacrifice, we can have peace with God. We can be reconciled. And because of his sacrifice, we have the hope of eternal life with God. I asked you at the beginning of the sermon to think about what your ideal moment of peace was. Well, here's my ideal moment of peace. I find peace and comfort in the presence of God's people. Knowing that I'm surrounded by people who care about me, people who want what is best for me, people who believe the same thing, people who worship the same Lord, who know the truth. And when I sing songs of praise and I pray to my Lord with, with my church family, I just I can't help but feel at peace. And whenever I consider all these things, I, I understand that it is only a small glimpse of what I can experience in the next life. It is only a small glimpse of what I can experience in eternity with God. Because I want to be surrounded by fellow believers who fought the good fight of faith. I want to be in the presence of God and I want to worship Him for eternity. I want to know that there will be no more tears, no more sorrows, no more heartache, no more goodbyes. And I want rest for my soul. Do you? Well, if that sounds good to you, Here's my question. Do you know my Lord of peace? If you're subject to the invitation this morning, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing. Days are filled with...